0: Podcast. Hello. Hey, Alex. Hey,
1: Chris. How are
0: you? I'm good, man. I uh, appreciate you taking some time out to chat today, dude. It means a lot.
1: Yeah, of course. No problem at all. Sorry, I've been uh, a bit challenging to get in touch with.
0: No, it's all good, man. I can only imagine your schedule's probably nuts, dude. So, and this year, because I kind of, doesn't it feel like this is kind of the first real year we've had in like the first, in like a few years since the pandemic? So it feels like things are just going 100 miles an hour this year. Yeah, no, it
1: definitely is. Um, Although we kind of got a, I guess, a head start. We, We try to do business as usual, even when... COVID was still lingering about. Yeah. just, to, just to, to stay in business. But um but yeah, no, no. It, it it's there's a weird air of both uncertainty but then also a lot of like excitement, um all totally. at the same time. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I um, I know what you mean, man. It's uh this yeah. year It just this year's flown by. It's been kinda hard to fathom, honestly.
1: I know I know we're getting close almost halfway through the year, and I still feel like it just started,
0: yeah, well, before we dive into your professional endeavors, man, I'd love to learn a little bit just kind of about you as a person, um kind of just your backstory a little bit, kind of where you're from and how you ended up in Austin
1: yeah, yeah, I was um I grew up in the- midwest my my family's all originally kind of from the Philadelphia. Pennsylvania, Maryland, D.C. kind of area, and um, I was actually born in Maryland, but then um, most of my childhood, I I, uh, was raised in in Dayton, Ohio, which is a a pretty, um, very not exciting area (laughs) to be, but it was a great place to be a kid, I'll tell you that. I mean, just uh, both, both being kind of in the Midwest, but and experiencing like, you know, four seasons and, you know, the, the, and, and just growing up in a very kind of suburban environment. Um, we lived there cause my dad worked, uh, for, uh, a company that was headquartered there called NCR, um, mm-hmm. which national cash register. They actually invented the cash register they invented the ATM machine. And, and, um, and so he was there for work and, and, uh, and really, the reason I came to Austin was uh, in the in the mid to late '90s, um, Dell computer was just blowing up, and they were on this war path to to recruit a lot of. A little bit more seasoned executives in kind of the tech and computer industry NCR being one of those companies they were they were recruiting and of which my dad had an opportunity to come to Austin work for Dell so that was how I got here I was still in high school I didn't even I didn't even have a choice it was just like one day my parents sat me down and said hey we're we're, you know we're moving to Austin in two weeks and uh (laughs) at the time it was like this my world's gonna end and i think that was right before my junior year of high school so i was really kind of in the thick of what i thought was like you know starting to think about college and all that stuff and it ended up being a a massive blessing in disguise because austin you know as you know and it's just an unbelievable town and um yeah so i was i was fortunate to to finish high school here and then i i uh Never left. I mean, I I went to UT and um, thought I'd get in. You know, thought I'd go to medical school. Then realized that was not. I wasn't smart enough for that. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll go to law school. And then I realized that sounds actually kind of awful. Yeah. Um, and and so didn't do either. Got out of college and and at that time, my brother. I have an older brother um, who was doing some freelance uh, writing for men's health magazine and um, he was finishing his PhD in biochemistry um, and I was a tennis pro I was I was moonlighting in college to you know just kind of have some extra cash I was teaching tennis at a local country club and, and uh, always athletics has always been kind of part of my life and and um, and so when I got out of school, my dad my brother and i were all kind of kicking the tires on like what's kind of going on in our worlds and and we decided to go into business together and so we um we we basically uh built a publishing business um and namely we had a we had a health and fitness magazine that we ran together um called austin fifth magazine and um and then that was back in i guess 2003 2004 mm-hmm. time frame so i was this like idiot college kid that it, or you know recent college graduate no idea what i was doing or anything really not no job experience the, Some honestly the, the 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 you know a lot of like the things that i feel like i've learned over the years was was just through like getting a uh crash course in um in business when we had that publishing business because it was it was really my brother and I running the day to day and my dad was there more of like guys in a bit of an advisor role. He was looking more for like, hey, just give me a make sure, you know, I I have a nice little retirement paycheck coming in from this um this business and I'll consult and kinda of be there if you know shit hits the fan, so to mm-hmm. speak. And um and it never really did. I you know, we we were able to, you know, we we, we created a successful small business for majority of its of its uh, my time there at least. Um, but the downside of that was working with family. We didn't really, I think, fully vet, you know, how easy or hard that was going to be. Yeah. Um, and that became that became pretty complicated, and and ultimately led to some some relationships really getting, you know, um, challenged and, and, um, you know, my brother left the company, uh, about four or five years in, I ended up running it as publisher for about, uh, I don't know, six or seven years. I mean, all in, I think I, I was running it are involved. I mean, I had a lot of different hats. I did, I did everything from advertising sales, so cold calling, outside sales. Um, you know, trying to sell advertising, print advertising back then. Um, and then it, you know, I got into a kind of more of a managing of, of teams as we grew. So I oversaw a sales team. I oversaw an editorial team. Um, you know, worked with all our vendors on production and printing and distribution. Uh, and then throughout that time, we diversified a little bit. I built an events company, um, that was basically part of that business. So we created a, a combined health and fitness event called Austin's Fittest, um, that in its heyday was a pretty successful, uh, little event. And, yeah. um, it was, uh, something that I eventually sold to On It and, um, On It. And then we ran it. I continued to run it when I went and worked for On It. And that was kind of, back in 2000 mid 2015 16 aubrey the f- marcus the founder of on it was somebody that i had known um both professionally and personally um for for some time that on it was actually one of our large advertisers in in our magazine mm-hmm. um and then they sponsored a lot of the events i at one point i produced a, a yoga event called Whole Lot of Yoga, um, and got Black Swan Yoga involved in Black Swan Yoga, which many people didn't know for a long time was um, was owned by Onnit. So it was founded in 2009 by this guy mm-hmm. Mike Gray, and then he sold it to Onnit. I want to say back in 20 I don't know, maybe it was 2014 somewhere around there, 2013 mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and 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 Black Swan at that time had a you know, very green workforce. I mean, it was basically Mike, the guy who started it, and then yoga instructors. And some of them kind of elevated to be more of in a managerial position, like a studio manager. But, um, but you know, I mean, it was really a bunch, a bunch of kids. I mean, just like me, like, you know, and my brother when we were running our publishing business. I mean, you know, other than my father, who gave me so much, like when I look back at all of the stuff that we learned, I learned um, from him having forty-year career in, in big corporate America. I mean, the types of things from understanding KPIs, strategic plans, the, the importance of you know values and uh, uh, core values and mission statements. Um, those were all things I learned in the publishing business and coming over to on it. Um, you know that like. A lot, or Black Swan. I mean, a lot of that stuff kind of existed, but not really. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that that was all stuff that that uh, you know, everything was like the wild, wild west back
0: then. Yeah, man. <laughs>
1: Everybody was just kind of learning. But the amazing thing about it was, it was both, you know, Black Swan Yoga and and On It Labs. I mean, were were very exciting products and services and things that really like. Resonated with the community and, and um, had a strong customer base. And, um, and so when I, uh, I guess it was 2017, Aubrey was looking to expand and kind of elevate his own event side to on it. Um, he wanted to do more retreats. He wanted to do more kind of um big uh event activations to to represent on it labs as the the supplement brand and the fitness equipment brand and uh so he approached me and asked me if I wanted to come come to work for him and by that time twenty sixteen twenty seventeen twenty eighteen whatever that all the the world of publishing magazines print advertising i mean it was rough and yeah. I was ready to take a break and so um I stepped down as publisher hired uh uh some some trusted people that I'd worked with to to kind of step in and, and run run the magazine and my uh you know my my dad was still owner of you know a, a, an owner in it and still had a his hand in it but he wasn't you know he wasn't doing anything really day to day um and so, yeah, eventually I sat down, kind of set up a team, and it went off into the sunset and did its thing, and I went to work for it and uh, wore a lot of different hats over there um, in the event space, producing and managing the entire event strategy um, for it which back then we were running a little over about 100 events a year um, across the different brands. We had... Tense playing at jitsu back then. We had a Muay Thai business. We had Black Swan. We had the gym. We had, and then we had on it, and we also had like Aubrey's personal brand and his podcast. And at the time, he was writing his first book,
2: so all those things had some kind of an event element
1: to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I managed all that for a while, and then, um, and then I moved over to to, to work directly with the on its CEO this guy Jason Havey um, and uh, basically managing our corporate partnerships um, and kind of like a little bit more I guess uh, like sea level relationship management and um, that was kind of an interesting time because then not too long after that COVID hit mm. and and I you know and that was weird everybody nobody knew what was going to happen and you um, Thankfully, you know, in, in the on it business, supplements, uh, fitness equipment, at-home fitness, as I'm sure you're aware, all that stuff skyrocketed. Yeah. During COVID. <laughs> so we we were fortunate in that sense. But then other businesses like the gym and the Black Swan Yoga, I mean, were decimated. Um, just, you know, had to shut them both down, uh, kind of figure out how do you move forward? Like, can you... Can you even be open? And and it was around that time that Black Swan had a, a, a lot of unique challenges, um, both presented by COVID, but also because of there was a lot of a lot of social tension going on at the time. Yeah. Black Lives Matters was you know uh, kind of at the forefront, and there were some things that had happened at Black Swan, um, kind of that that was that created quite the the uproar in the community Mm. and, and, you know, rightfully so. And and that caused a bit of a, a, um, complete, I guess, reorganization of leadership and management at Black Swan and, Mm. and, uh, the the CEO of Black Swan, who was also the CEO of Onnit, um, kind of came in and asked if I could help consult, um, to kind of uh, figure out what was going on at Black Swan and how to best get it back on its feet. And since I had worked so much with just a lot of different corporate relationships, but then even running my publishing business, having worked with so many people in the community, um, I, you know, felt like something that, that, and working just in kind of the small business world, it felt like something that I could understand. So I helped them and we, we, we did some things to, try to get the business back on track and, and ultimately it led to, um, you know, Jason making a decision to reorg the, the, leadership team. And at the end of that, um, is, you know, when he approached me and, and said, uh, sh- uh, your mess, your, your mission, should you choose to accept it is to take over, uh, as president of Black Swan Yoga. And, uh, this message will self-destruct in two minutes. And, <laughs> and I, I, uh, uh, at first said, yeah, I don't think that that's really something that makes the most sense. And, um, because at that time I was very much still, I was like, I have my job at on it and, uh, I didn't want to lose my connection to on it. And so, what began as something as a temporary, I think, uh, kind of, you know, um, opportunity became something that I got really um, entrenched in and ultimately just became, you know, I feel like in many ways, like my life's work of uh, kind of rebuilding Black Swan right in the thick of, of COVID and all the issues that, as it had. Um, and uh, I've since, you know, been able to to um, kind of get it back on its feet and we're, you know, happy to report we're in a very much a healthy, healthy place and in and a, and a place of growth. So, uh, you know, we've we've gotten through that that challenging time. And it's uh, it's exciting kind of what what you know, where we see ourselves going in the next few years.
0: Yeah. By the way, Alex, I was going to tell you that was an incredible overview. So I just want to say I appreciate that. A couple things I kind of want to unpack there a little bit just for clarification. So currently right now. Your delegation at Black Swan, are you the CEO or the president?
1: I am the president and CEO. Okay. So okay. I, I officially became the CEO when we. So I was hired on as president when Onit Labs still owned Black Swan. Okay. And uh, that all changed when Onit was acquired by Unilever back in the spring of 2021. Okay. Uh, And in that time, there was decisions to be made of whether Unilever in that that, uh, acquisition was going to keep Black Swan um, under the umbrella of Onnit Labs um, or divest it, uh, or in their case, they had expressed a potential desire to just shut it down, which was uh you know just obviously a crushing thing to hear nobody wanted that and of course um, you know, we we it's a it's such a well known brand it's always been a very healthy business and it's just uh you know Unilever's business model i mean they're they're in the product business they don't have storefronts they don't all you know they don't they're not selling any services um they're they're you know primarily products so it it uh, made sense for them to not want it. Um, but when that all took place, um, they needed a buyer. And of course, Aubrey, um, was very much, I mean, he was the one who first was interested in buying black Swan back in the day in the first place. And, uh, it was very obvious that it made sense for Aubrey to reacquire black Swan personally. Um, uh, when the acquisition took place with Unilever and, um, and so when that happened, I had the choice to. Aubrey asked me to formally come on as the CEO of, of Black Swan and, and uh, step down from my job in Onnit, um, you know. But also, I had the option of staying in on it if I wanted to. And so it was a interesting. They both, the CEO of Onnit, Jason and, and Aubrey, were very uh, uh, kind and, and understanding and giving me some grace to, you know, kind of ask questions and figure out what made the most sense. Traditionally, I'm yeah. kind of a conservative person, and I like a, a bit of security. And in, 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 you know, the route of sticking with on it seemed appealing at first because it's now oh, now you got this multi-multi billion dollar entity that is you know that is your your parent company, and um, you know, there's some there's some benefits to come with that. Um, mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you know, um, oftentimes those types of of acquisitions and that kind of work, all of a sudden you become, you know, just a a number and, um, and you lose a little bit of the, I think the, um, you know, the culture and the, I don't know, the, um, the independence that, that you have when you're a little scrappier and you're not, and you're independently owned. And that ultimately was, you know, with Aubrey, it was this, it, it became very clear to me that, you know, I I felt like I would have be better utilized by going and continuing down the path with Black Swan, and also by that point I was so invested in it. Um, yeah. You know, in every way, it just didn't it it, it feel like I'd be abandoning abandoning it um, in many ways. So yeah, so I took over as, as CEO then, and 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 then. Um, yeah, been doing that and uh and then fast forward to the fall of last year, Unilever, uh, in I guess something they probably should have done back when they originally acquired on it, um approached Aubrey and, and uh and I think a couple other people in town, but they were looking to, to, to unload the, the on it gym that became the next kind of uh, target in their you know analysis of what they they felt they needed in the business and so Unilever uh sold uh, uh on a gym back to to Aubrey um and we officially took over ownership of of the gym January 1st of this year and uh, back last I guess it was October November um Aubrey asked me if he if I would you know, assuming if I had the bandwidth, the, the, would I be up to, to take the role as CEO of the Onnit gym? So I accepted that. And, and uh, so in many ways, it feels like it's just another studio. So it's, yeah. it, you know, a lot of similarities between the, the two businesses. Right. Um,
0: one just um, has, uh, one has weights in it and the other doesn't, right? Is that the main <laughs> yeah. distinction? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's cool, man. So so as of today, this is kind of what I was going to get to next is I was kind of curious exactly what your affiliation still with Onit was in conjunction with Black Swan. But so as of today, you are the CEO of of, of the gym portion of the business model.
1: Yeah. So okay. on, yes, I'm the CEO of, of, of still of Black Swan. And then we have um, basically an, a whole nother entity. So Onnit Jim, um, formally its legal name, I mean this is something you can go go look up, it's public record, but is Onit Academy LLC. And that was that was owned by Onnit Labs, um, which is the parent company that uh you know, produces the supplements, the kettlebells, steel maces, um apparel, all that good stuff. Um and so what we acquired was Onnit Academy LLC. Um, so we took that off, off of on it labs um, balance sheet. And so now that, uh, is independently owned by us. Um, we, we structured a a holding company to, 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 uh, purchase the Academy. Um, and, uh, and then the DBA on it is on it, Jim. So the brand itself and what people most, you know, uh, uh, kind of associate us as is on it, gym. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it just so happens to be the old warehouse of on it labs. Uh, you know, it was <laughs> way back in the day. It was a place where, you know, the supplements were being packaged into boxes to then be shipped out. And, yeah. um, so the, you know, I think what originally the gym was a manifestation of you know on it Bill when started to build fitness equipment it was testing that fitness equipment um you know having trainers put the stuff through its paces and then it became wow there's like actual workouts we can do with this stuff so they created the the on eight academy and it became here's a whole modality a method by which you can use kettlebells and and battle ropes and steel maces and steel clubs and and uh and then it evolved into wow this is actually a cool workout space that we've created why don't we open it up to the public and, yeah. and that's when it became a, a, an actual gym and I mean it's been around for a while and it's yeah. a lot of it's, it became for On it Labs the supplement business it became a marketing tool for them because you had you know back in its heyday when it was pre pre-COVID it was uh, you'd have celebrities coming through there you'd have i mean these content influencers mm-hmm. um, you know really just amazing experiences and people and workshops and certifications and there was all kinds of fun stuff going on in there um and it was a place where you know in the rise of social media where it became very instagrammable um, totally so yeah it it's it's, uh, and it lost that sadly a little bit when COVID hit. Um, but we're working to, you know,
0: start to try to, to kind of bring that life back into it, which is exciting. Yeah, I know, man. I totally know what you mean by from a marketing standpoint. It's like, for example, right? I've never stepped foot in that gym before, but I know exactly what that gym looks like inside because if you live in Austin and you're active on Instagram at all, or if you're even like, a second or third degree away from someone that works out there you're gonna see pictures of what that gym looks like online on the internet you know because people are posting it so yeah it definitely had like had some viral moments in there for sure at least on a local level
2: yeah yeah
0: um I'm, i'm curious to kind of get your opinion about the yoga industry in general right now um you know, because obviously, like, especially, I noticed this too, and I'm curious to get your opinion on it, like, especially in a city like Austin, where there's so many ambitious entrepreneurs, and I think small business really thrives here. It's really easy for certain industries to to become, like, overly commoditized, and so do you feel, and I mean, I I personally think Black Swan is, like, kind of at the zenith of the yoga industry, and that's also maybe just my Austin bias coming out, but... What is your opinion of just kind of the yoga industry in general? Does it feel very oversaturated at times? Like, what are you, what are kind of your thoughts on just kind of the overlay of the land?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, um, I, yeah, certainly I think it can be oversaturated in, in the, in, in relation to the number of physical studios that will kind of pop up. I mean, yeah. And, and, and I, Love it. I mean, I, you know, the more the merrier. I think, um, you know, there's enough people on this planet that could all benefit from yoga. I'm not worried about there being some shortage of customers to, to black swan. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I, I like to work from the law of abundance and reciprocity, um, rather than scarcity and, and, um, totally. The but yeah there are there are a lot and Austin is a kind of you know Austin's a, a scene for for kind of health wellness um, you know this this um, you know uh, more health conscious approach to living and um, and since living here since the nineties you know Austin I I'll never forget it that there's a guy here that was the godfather of the running scene Paul Caroza, and he founded a company called Runtex. Mm-hmm which was a shoe store. I don't know if you if you I totally remember,
0: totally remember, man. I've I've lived here my whole life so you and I have a lot in common in that aspect. But yeah I know I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah and I and I worked a lot with Paul and I learned a tremendous amount from Paul and Paul said there seems to be a seven year cycle in in the city where there's this almost turnover or recycling of whether it be ideas or people or places and things and kind of the trends and, and, um, and, it, and, and it happened that way with, it seemed, it seemed to be with the running scene and kind of that, you know, the or the cardio scene, let's call it, there became the, you know, the, the, the five K's and the fun runs. And then there was the marathons and then there's the triathlons. And then there were the mud runs and all these kind of crazy adventure oriented type races and things kind of run their course. And then you got into this CrossFit era, and there was a lot of hardcore, let's just destroy you type fitness.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah.
1: and and we're now into a cycle of, which is great for On It because it's kind of been what On It's always preached. And um, I'm sorry, we're talking about yoga, which I'll come back to. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But but there became this, this very mindful, conscious, full body expression of wellness and fitness like you're not going to just go in and do a workout that just like busts your ass and that's it um you're going to go in and you're going to want something where there's a lot of like kind of you know body preparation and flexibility and durability to stretch your muscles out and so you can do things in a safe manner and then you go through the motions of whatever the fitness is and then there's the recovery aspect and the amazing thing about that is like that stuff will I don't believe ever ever go out of style and, and and circling back to to yoga is like while yoga can be saturated I don't think it will ever I don't I don't know how it could ever become irrelevant um you know there's other things uh, spin and there's boot camps with where you are you know there's the orange theories and the f45s and which are great um but you know, they're, they're, they're kind of just trying to take different aspects of like the, the true tenets and principles of physical activity and, and kind of market them in a unique way. And whereas for us with yoga, it's, you know, it, it is, it's yoga. There's no, we're not trying to really spice it up. The craziest things that we do is, uh, you know, we we like to have music going. We like to give the instructor a lot of autonomy in what kind of music they play. Um, yeah. Some like to be very more traditional and soothing and peaceful. Others like to, you know, play hip hop and and dance and and um and we like that because it gives the 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 instructor their ability to kind of express themselves and it um being authentic in and, and who they are and the style in which they like to teach and and um you know the other part of it too is our spaces are you know it's not the you know uh, uh dimly lit candlelight you know quiet room it, there's there's neon lights and there's a little bit more of kind of this um this energy to it and um and that to me is something that you know uh um, I guess if there's anything that makes us feel a little flashy or, you know, outside the norm of traditional yoga, there's that. Um, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't think, um, I don't, I don't, I don't fear that we're, we're ever going to be, um, you know, become like outdated, you know?
0: No, um, never. Not at all, actually. Cause I mean, if you think about it too, and again, I'm I'm kind of curious about your opinion on this, but it's like. What really separates yoga out from other modes of exercise is yoga very much, I feel like for a lot of people is it's an identity as well as where, you know, going into the gym and lifting weights, like it could be, I mean, for me, it's like, I enjoy doing that, but I don't really feel like that's very much integrated into like my ethos as a person as where with yoga, I do feel like people who do yoga very regularly, it's like, it's very integrated into their lifestyle, and I think very much like who they are as a person. So, yep. that, that's really what I think kind of separates it from from the rest of, you know, exercise options.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and um, and the and the amazing thing too is is that yoga. No, I get it. Some people feel this way, but it's not exclusionary. There's not, you know, there can be that intimidation, I guess, To but it truly is. You get into our classes and, you, you know, it can be, hey, if all you want to do is lay in Shavasana, uh, which is basically like taking a nap almost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you know, it's, that's cool. Do it. It's it's really the your time on that mat is to um, kind of come back to your body and do things that are within yourself and that make, you know, that kind of feel right. I, I, I used to take Bikram yoga, um, a lot back Mm -hmm. in the day. I loved it because to me it was like an insane workout and you sweat and it was just, it, it pushed me to my edge. But then when you really look back at like trying to go in, if you just, tell you know if I like invited my my mom who's in her 70s like hey let's go do Bikram like no way you know that's yeah you're in an, an incredibly hot room you're in there for 90 minutes you're going through strenuous poses um you're getting pushed uh verbally verbally pushed by the instructor to try to kind of you know get into these postures um and it's great for those, you know, but you can't, not everybody can just go hop into a class and do that. Um, I would argue the same for, you know, many spin classes and some of these other things, but whereas you come to a, you know, a fairly, uh, a vinyasa based or flow oriented, you know, yoga class, um, at black Swan and at many other, other studios, um, you can literally have no experience, get in there and, and get through an hour. And you'll come out, and this is the thing I tell my uh, instructors is, like, there's a magic that happens there. You take somebody who comes in and in a bad mood or a lot of anxiety or really depressed or distressed, they come out of it and they feel light. They feel, you know, that mood that they came in with has been completely altered. Um, and it's simply through, you know, breath and a little bit of movement. So if, it, if that becomes... Uh, uh, somewhat, um, you know, irrelevant or, or, or threatened in any way by trends, then I think humanity's uh, um,
0: in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Hey, Alex, a couple more just really quick, more fun questions before I let you go. I always like to ask people this just because I'm a big music movie guy. Did you have like uh like a couple of favorite movies that you really liked growing up or maybe like a couple and then also like a couple of favorite albums or musical artists that you really liked?
1: Uh, I mean, growing up, I, I have to, man, uh, that's a, that's a tough one and a fun one. I mean, growing yeah. up is it. I loved like, obviously I loved Indiana Jones. Um, you know, all of them, uh, the last crusade was amazing. I loved like just the adventure and I'm a big kind of history buff and I love like all of the places they travel and, yeah. Um, Uh, I also loved Predator, which uh, is, you know, just the the pure action and, like, how physically fit those dudes were. (laughs) (laughs) Just this this suspense of it all. Like, even to this day, it's a movie I can watch. Like, it comes, you know, any time of day. Oh, Predator's on. Looks like I'm doing this. Totally. Um, And um, I guess as I got older, Big Lebowski was another movie. Yeah, it's a great one. Kind of comes to mind um musically speaking uh since i was a kid i would say the doors was one of my right on kind of uh, obsessions everything about jim morrison and uh his poetry and yeah. I, would, I, I read his biographies and just i became obsessed with them at a young age and um you know i think uh as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more into like house music and loungy music, and yeah. um, I wouldn't even know where to begin on who that would be. Um, there's a really good, actually, obscure artist named Tom Mish um, that more people will probably have heard some of his stuff, but he's kind of a, he's like a jazz kind of a jazzy guitar. How player. do you
0: how do you spell his last name? I'll make note of that. Check out
1: M I S. Ch, e-h, I believe. Okay. Um, Mish is just really good. Kind of almost sultry, fun, easygoing, loungy. He's a great vocalist. It's just uh, something soulful about it that I'll put on
0: a lot when I'm working. Actually, um, very yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll check that out. I'm I'm a musician myself, so I always like to get different recommendations on on new artists man there's so much music out there now like it's cool when you get a good recommendation from someone
1: yeah if uh, you're into if you're into house like electronic there's yeah. a great dj i can't remember where he's from um but he plays a lot at like tomorrowland and afterlife which are these big like european south american uh like dj festivals and they do a lot of animated um you know they have these almost like 3d uh like like visual arts kind of installations that go with the music it's like a lighting show that they do but there's an artist named anima a n y m a and you even if you youtube anima and you look at some of his sets that he's done that if you want to just party and just yeah. also be kinda uh, mesmerized at the same time um He's
0: pretty. He's pretty amazing. <laughs> cool, man. I'll definitely check that out. I got some got some music for the gym later, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, Alex, man, this was a dope interview, dude. I appreciate your time. It means a lot, man. And I, I wish you all the best with the Black Swan and all your endeavors.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. If you ever. Get into Black Swan or uh, the gym. Um, just, uh, just get in touch with me, and uh, I'll send some some uh, passes your way.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate I appreciate it, dude. That means a lot. We'll definitely we'll be in touch. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Okay. bye Bye. Trapped in Austin podcast.